Cresta in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Broadcasting from the studios of Ave Maria Radio in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Al Cresta is ready for conversations of consequence. This is Cresta in the Afternoon. And good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. It's good to have you with me. We've got another hour talking about the things that matter most. Are you awake or are you woke? It's a very interesting question. You know, most of the uh, religions of the world have a certain idea that human beings are in some way not, um, that they're asleep, uh, they're missing something, they're not where they're supposed to be ultimately. And so there's, again, in Christianity it's very clear, especially in the Catholic Church, our doctrine is clear, you need to be regenerate, you need to be born again. St. Paul talks about waking. Uh, What's funny? funny thing going on in our culture right now is you have something called this movement, I guess you might call it the woke movement, which smuggles in this kind of religious conception of having uh, almost a revelatory moment uh, about our social conditions and about the status of the marginalized and the oppressed and uh, the responsibility that others ought to take for them. My guest in this hour is Noelle Mehring. She's the author of Awake, Not Woke. It's a Christian response to the cult of progressive ideology. She's a fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. She uh, co-authored with Carrie Gress, uh, The Theology of Home 1 and 2. And uh, she's going to be joining us tomorrow night at Father Gabriel Richard High School. Well, she'll be uh, speaking from 7.30 till 9. We're inviting you there. No charge. I hope you'll be coming in southeast Michigan, northern Ohio. We'd love to have you there. 7.30 to 9. Show up a little early. But uh, we're going to talk to Noel this hour about this concept of wokeness and what it actually means. What's its origins? Uh, where did it come from? Why is it all of a sudden achieved some sort of uh, cultural cachet? But first, let's get the headlines. Thanks, Al. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your Ravi Maria Radio News for Monday, March 6th. It's the Feast of St. Colette of Corby. Today's news brought to you by Ave Maria University. Your vocation location is at AveMaria.edu. A U.S. official is confirming gunmen assaulted and kidnapped four American citizens in northeastern Mexico on Friday. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says the Biden administration is monitoring the situation. The Departments of State and Homeland Security are also coordinating with Mexican authorities, and we will continue to coordinate uh, with Mexico and push them for, uh, to bring those responsible to justice. CNN is reporting it's a case of mistaken identity. The group was traveling to a border city for medical procedures. An innocent Mexican citizen was also killed in the incident, that according to the U.S. ambassador to Mexico. Former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick is speaking out publicly for the first time about allegations that he sexually abused a teenager in the 1970s. In an interview with NorthJersey.com, McCarrick said the claim is not true just one day after he filed a motion claiming he is unfit to stand trial due to dementia. When pressed for details, he referred the journalist to his lawyer. 
Two aircraft clipped wings near the gates at Boston's Logan International Airport this morning. United Flight 515 headed to Newark, New Jersey, and United Flight 267 bound for Denver were both canceled as a result. It happened as the plane going to Newark pushed back from the gate. A July decision is expected as the FDA reviews an Alzheimer's treatment. The Lakemi treatment showed a 27% slowdown in disease progression in clinical trials. However, it also has side effects that include brain swelling and bleeding, in addition to costing over $26,000 a year. Time may be running out for TikTok. A growing number of Republican lawmakers want to give the president the ability to ban the social media site, citing ties to the Chinese Communist Party. From your Ave Maria Radio.net news desk, I'm Steve Clark. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Thank you for being here. Joining me, as uh, promised this hour, is Noelle Mehring. She is the author of Awake, Not Woke, a Christian response to the cult of progressive ideology. She's a fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, and with Carrie Griss, has co-authored Theology of Home 1 and 2. Did you do 3, too? We have a third. Yeah, I saw that. fourth one coming out, too. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I just got the digital version of, the, of Theology of Home 3 on yeah. my digital library system the other day. Um, well, it's good to see you again. Thanks for coming by. Great to see you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Let's let's talk a little bit about this again. This concept of being woke versus awake. We were talking off the air a few minutes ago. I can remember in the late '60s and early '70s there was clear left wing. It was this, the, you had the student revolt of the 68, 67, 68, 69. You had uh, famous professors or celebrity professors at the time, like Herbert Matuza. Uh, and you had the Weather Underground. You have, well, violence. And eventually, you stop hearing about that. It's as though it disappears. And it doesn't really begin emerging in that radical left-wing ideology until, um, I mean, in my mind, it begins to emerge again with uh, President Obama. I'm not accusing him of running it. I'm just saying there seemed to be a permission for people to come out of the woodwork again. And now now we talk about it as a clear and present danger. Uh, What happened? Yeah, I think it seemingly disappeared, but I think it just pivoted. So there was the violence in the late 60s. And then a lot of the radicals, including someone like Bill Ayers, went on to start forming teachers yeah. and teachers' colleges. Unbelievable. And it was yeah. brilliant, right? Because um, you started, you create a conveyor belt of radicals if you can form the people who are going to be forming the future. And so I think while it seemingly kind of went quiet, it was really just building up an army in a way. And we did see it come back with Barack Obama, who was a community organizer and was influenced by Saul Alinsky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who was a a radical, rules radicals. Rub raw the sores of discontent. So, you know, that sort of revolutionary spirit of uh, encouraging um, anger, rage, uh, revolution. Yeah. People may forget, by the way, who Bill Ayers was. I mean, this guy... He, his girlfriend was Diane Houghton, who was ended up being dead because she was putting a bomb together in New York City. Uh, the bomb went off. It was terrible. This is around 1968-69. He ends up uh, hooking up with uh, Bernadette Dorn, who's kind of the leader of it. They marry. They go underground for a number of years. And I mean, this guy, this guy was a friend of President Obama. 
and he had a very influential position with Chicago teachers. Yes. It's, it, and this is a guy who was involved in blowing up, well, he had one, uh, tried to blow up the Pentagon. He likes to say that his bombs didn't kill anybody, but the point is, you set off enough bombs, you're going to get somebody somewhere. Yeah. You know? So. I think American culture did a job of sort of romanticizing these figures. Yeah. Um, that they were, you know, rebels and maybe they dabbled in things and took things too far, but that they largely were, you know, people to sort of emulate or respect ultimately for given the context of how much, you know, they've done. Yeah. It's really bizarre. Um, but I, I think a lot for a lot of us, uh, we thought, you know, this is just sort of a radical, kooky academic movement for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, of course, now the campus is everywhere that it, of course, it had an effect. It had a huge effect. Ideas, ideas change the way people think, the way they see the world and the way they behave and the way they influence other people. Um, and these ideas in the academy have grown and borne rotten fruits all over yeah. society. Yeah. And there is there is a long uh, history of ideas here. Um, let's go. Let's go to recent days and kind of work back. Um, you, you begin to see the current woke movement attain uh, a lot of public uh, presence, uh, I think after the George Floyd death is when it seems to be on the front page. Uh, obviously, the death of George Floyd, terrible thing, um, is one of those moments that the American people were largely agreed on. It was terrible. And yet, they began interpreting this, again, the left began interpreting his death in a way that drove wedges between the American people. Yeah, I think that's right. It, uh, you know, right in the wake of that terrible death, there immediately was a sort of militarism to the conversation that felt new. I remember people saying, calling each other out, saying, you'd better raise your voice. You'd, it's not okay to just not be racist. You have to be an anti-racist. You know, that Ibram Kendi, before many of yes. us even knew who Ibram yeah. Kendi was, right, that's true. those ideas yeah. were kind of getting popularized. And one of the most bizarre aspects of that to me was that there were two messages. One was, silence is violence. You have to speak up. Yep. in order to be not yep. racist. The other one was, s- take a seat and listen. Now is not your time to talk. So take a seat and listen. And you put those two seemingly contradictory messages together, and it seems like the only option is you have to say right speak, right? You yes, have that's to, right. You, you can use your voice, but only use your vice, voice if it agrees, supports the ideology. Yeah. If you have any questions or any hesitations, you take a seat and listen. That's here. right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so the, the boldness... I mean, that, that's also the time when all of a sudden, you know, um, Black Lives Matter, which had already been in the, in the public eye bit, but that, that after George Floyd, if you say white lives matter or all lives matter, that's not enough. All lives matter doesn't, doesn't cut mustard with these people. Right, yeah. No, I think that that actually is rather an evil thing to say, according to the ideology. Um, You know, and they would say, well, this segment of the population, their house is on fire, so we need to be talking about them only. Um, But it it really is a manipulation of language. You know, the things that are just generally true are no longer okay, and things that are sound right, black lives do matter. That's a true sentence. However... There's a whole host of ideological presuppositions that are inserted into that phrase. And I think it got exposed by a lot of people when they saw on their statement of beliefs on their website, they have since taken it down. 
But their statement of beliefs included such things as dismantle the nuclear family, queer the culture. You know, this was not just about, this is not a movement against racism. This is a movement for a revolutionary woke ideology that includes dismantling all stable institutions, including the human person at the level yeah. of gender and yeah. or sex. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people saw that and started having questions, and it's it's good for that to be exposed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this was a group that celebrates the uh, birthday of um, Fidel Castro <laughs> and Huey Newton, uh, the one of the founders of the Black Panthers. Um, so this doesn't come out of uh, nowhere. There's a long history here. Let's work it back. Um, we saw this kind of thing in the late 60s, early 70s, and then it seemed to disappear. What happened to it? Yeah, I think that's when it really went into the institution. So that Antonio Gramsci uh, idea. That this we, is the Italian Yeah, the Italian uh, sociologist, Marxist. yeah. Um, and he actually didn't coin the phrase long march through the institutions. I think a translator of his did. However, it's associated with him, and I think that he uh, he wise or um, brilliantly understood that the Marxist revolution would not be fought on the terms of economics alone. It had to go through the institutions that, that create the hegemonic power. So law, culture, um, uh, le- uh, the academy, uh, journalism, all, you know, all of these institutions um, perpetuate a sort of hegemonic dominance that has to be toppled. So they start, you start seeding all of these institutions with revolutionary thinkers, and mm-hmm. then they spread it through there. Um, but yeah, I think that I, I, I think it, it didn't go dormant. It just went and started fighting the revolution in a different way, and it yeah. was in a very effective way. Yeah, yeah. So that now uh, in our universities, this is an orthodoxy. It yeah. is. It's, yeah. I think you know that's almost a cliche that you can't. You you know, conservatives have a very hard time voicing any dissent. Yeah. You know, you kind of have to put your head down and meddle through it. And and I think you know even that is getting. I think people are getting really tired of that. And so you know, you see alternative. Um, institutions starting to spring up, new ideas about getting being becoming educated, a return to classical Catholic education for yeah. you know K through yeah. twelve. These are good things. A return to homeschooling. Um, people are flocking to these things for a reason because I think they didn't weren't quite aware of how radical it had gotten yeah. for quite a while. One of the one of the reasons they don't like phrases like "all lives matter." I think, is because it's a unifying phrase. Mm-hmm. And their methodology requires not reconciliation or even reform. It requires revolution, and that is conflictual. It, you don't have a revolution without good guys and bad guys. And so when you say all lives matter, well, that that's a, an affirming statement of everybody, and you can't have it that way. That's uh, right. That's a unifying statement. Yeah. And think about how different this, is, how contrasted this is with, uh, you know, the civil rights movement in the '60s, yeah. where they would wear, you know, signs and had a slogan, "I am a man," yes. not "I am a man" as opposed to "a woman," but "I am a member of the human family." It was an emphasis I on am the your universality. Kind. Yeah, yeah, we are brothers and sisters. Yeah. It's an emphasis on the universality of the human person. Now, to be, you know, the movement has the exact opposite approach. We are not defined by ways and by universals. We're defined into division. We're defined not by the love of God. We're defined by the hatred of mankind and of society. Um, and so, so you're absolutely right. That all lives matter no longer works because it's a unifying statement. Yeah. Um, this is often this is connected with what's called cultural Marxism. Um, so take, take us back. Uh, Marx is a, largely an economic thinker um, following uh, George Frederick Hegel. 
believing that you well, why don't you go ahead and do the synthesis, uh, thesis, uh, antithesis, synthesis thing. Yeah, so Marx was largely influenced by Hegel, as you say, who had the, something called the dialectic. So I think we see that now when people say, are you on the right side of history? That's a very Hegelian phrase, because the idea of the dialectic is that the society will keep revolutionizing itself, uh, working out contradictions, um, and then through a process of the thesis that the way things are then the there's where the, the thesis will have internal contradictions those have to get worked out and worked through and that's called the synthesis um or the antithesis is the contradiction sorry um but through that process you can eventually society will de- develop itself until it becomes its perfect its yeah. true self right and so it's a utopian ideology by nature yeah. and marx really liked that and he applied it to the material world he was a strict materialist and an atheist by by um by fiat but what is what's funny about it is that it's teleological yeah <laughs> it actually moves towards an end which he didn't believe there was any necessary reason to have it. Well, as, it, it, you're right. You're right. There's no teleology, and, and Marx really accepts that we are self-creators, right? Yeah. You already see that beginning of that de- self-deification yeah. in Marx, is yep. that he talks about we no longer need the Son of God. We don't re- revol- revolve around Him. Man is His own true Son that the world revolves around. And so you, you become self-creators. And we see that really acutely now, particularly with the trans, something like the transgenderism movement. But it's been latent throughout all of the ideology, you know, yeah. beginning this, with Marx. The idea of self-creation. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that, uh, again, is really with us today. In fact, your book begins uh, with Genesis 3, You Shall Be as Gods, so that we, yes. we define our realities uh, here. Uh, in fact, the original sin is that of choosing to reject God's reality yes. in favor of our own definition of reality. I'm with Noel Maring. We are talking about her work, Awake, Not Woke. It's a Christian response to the cult of progressive ideology. She's with us uh, tonight. Tomorrow, though, is what uh, we have a public event tomorrow night at Father Gabriel Richard High School. We'd love to have you there, 7.30 to 9.30. She'll be addressing this question of what it means to be awake, not woke. And uh, you can register at RenewalMinistries.net. It's free, but it'd be nice if we know how many people are coming. So it's RenewalMinistries.net slash Noel. I'm Al Presto. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm here to talk about Dr. Heather Hoffman, board-certified pediatric dentist at Ann Arbor Smiles. We're happy to announce we have two pediatric offices open to help provide the littlest smiles with big care. At Ann Arbor Smiles, parents are always welcome in the room with their children. Appointments are available now at both our locations. Call 734-677-2272 or visit us at annarborsmiles.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, weekdays on Ave Maria Radio. The AP is now saying that news people cannot refer to pregnancy resource centers as pregnancy resource centers or crisis pregnancy centers. They have to refer to them as anti-abortion centers because we're misleading the public by saying that they're offering resources, apparently. It is about consistently putting forth a culture of death, do anything you want sexually, 
being extremely woke every time you turn around. This is more proof that all they care about is their own agenda. And they're doing this to their own demise. If you look at the ratings, for example, of CNN, if you look at the subscription rates, right, of various newspapers, whether it's online or still hard copy in, in print, continuing to decrease. And yet they do not care because it's about the agenda. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, weekday mornings from 8 to 10 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. It's time for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popcha. St. John Bosco taught his followers that it wasn't enough to stop their students' bad behavior. Good discipline teaches children to want to make choices that please the Lord. If your child is behaving badly, chances are they either don't know how to meet a particular need appropriately, or they don't know how to apply the lessons you've taught them to a new, challenging situation. To practice good discipleship discipline, take a moment to find out what your child was trying to do by acting that way. Then teach them healthier, godlier ways to meet that need. Taking this approach will help your kids know that they can count on you to help them be their best when they're feeling and acting their worst. To discover more ways your family can celebrate the liturgy of domestic church life, check out the newest editions of Parenting with Grace and visit CatholicCounselors.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, but you can call me Family Man. To discover more ways faith can enrich your life, visit CatholicCounselors.com. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. CMF Curo is a Catholic health care ministry providing families nationwide with a better solution centered around whole health spirit, mind, and body. Our members share their medical burdens within a faith-filled community. At CMF Curo, our members have access to a spiritual director, concierge services, and other health and spiritual resources. Find out if CMF Curo is a better solution for your family. Visit MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta, and with me, Noel Meering. She's the author of Awake, Not Woke, a Christian response to the cult of progressive ideology. She'll be sharing uh, this material and more tomorrow, 7.30, at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. And uh, it, no charge. We'd love to have you register so we know how many are going to be showing up. But uh, go to renewalministries.net slash Noel, and you can register. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you there tomorrow night at 7.30. Um, Meaning, we said we were talking earlier about this, and it's it's just funny because Marxism does have a, a vision of history, and, and and they do think that history is going somewhere, you know. But they're Mar- you know Orthodox Marxists are materialists, so they don't believe that God has anything to do with it, and they don't really believe that there's anything intrinsic. Uh, there's no intrinsic meaning to the historical process, but they have this vision of revolution and some some quasi-utopian state at the end of it. Uh, but at heart, they deny that there's any necessary um, uh, meaning uh, to life. It's something that has to be self-invented along the way. 
so this is this requires it seems to me atheism at its core and when you look at the those who are leading the woke movement today do do you see explicit atheists or do you see people of goodwill who have been misled or how do you Look at these folks. Well, it's a little tricky to know because the the ideology has really seeped into a lot of Christian churches, yeah. um, Protestant and Catholic, um, by design. You know, the, the the greatest obstacle revolution is the faith and the family, and so they really want to be in those spaces so that they can you know parasitically feed yes, off of them. Yes, yes. Um, so you know, some people are truly just sort of confused and think that this is truly about justice and this is a movement of compassion. Right. And I think that they might have goodwill and they just are misguided. Yeah. Other people, you know, are more seeped in the ideology and just sort of need to be stopped. And so I, th- I think that there's three approaches. Some people need to be healed because they're victims of this ideology of despair. Other people need to be help them be shepherded to enlighten, become enlightened about mm-hmm. the true nature of what it is that they're ascribing to. And other people just need to be stopped because they're putting the poison into other people and that, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and then maybe we can work on healing them after and convincing them. But, for, for you know, we just have to cut off the poison, particularly you see this at like school board meetings. Um, and I really do think that the poison, as you alluded to earlier, is the, a lack of a suppression of meaning. Um, people need to feel that thing, that their life has meaning. Yeah. And I think we've rejected all sorts of a givenness to meaning, that, that our bodies mean something outside of what yeah. we choose them to mean, that our efforts and our lives and our, our families give us meaning, that our faith gives us meaning, that truly we need a why to our lives. And the why to our lives is to come to know, love, and serve God in this life so we can be happy with them in the next. And if we lose the why of what we are, we lose the what of what we yeah, are. And yeah. I think you really see that um, acutely, again, in the, in the transgender movement. Matt Walsh revealed this when he said, what is a woman? Yeah. The fact that we can't answer such a fundamental question, I think it's a, a, a sign that um, not only have we lost what we are, we've lost why we are. And people really tend to despair if they don't feel that they have a purpose to yeah. their life. Yeah. You know, it's really damaging. Um, and I think we see it including with, you know, the, uh, the rejection of natural law that is inherent in the movement. My body is not a body by design. I can't see the contours and shape of my flourishing by the way I was created. Um, and so my body doesn't really, it can mean anything. But that, of course, means it means nothing. Yeah. Which yeah. means I mean nothing because my body is integral to myself. But we also see it with equity. So equity means equality of results, that any disparity between different groups, the marginalized group, it's always because of racism, bigotry, you know, homophobia, always and only. And so the only way we can improve our lives are not through improving our efforts, not through meriting something, not through trying or taking, assuming responsibility for what is within our control. The only thing we can do is despair of our own efforts and try to upend the system. Yeah. Well, that really means that what you do doesn't matter. You can get sleep in if you want. You can get, it doesn't matter. Your efforts won't get you anywhere. Well, then that's really a movement of despair as well, to yeah. think that we can't change anything in that way. Chris Rock has a, uh, I'm not, not recommending this, but uh, knowing that we were going to be talking about this today, he has a comedy routine co- uh, called uh, Selective Outrage. And uh, he mentions there that there are four ways. America is addicted to opioids, but that's nothing, he says. America is really addicted to attention. And the way to get attention is, well, one, show your body. Uh, the next one is uh, become infamous, do something just wicked, uh, blow up a school. Third one is be excellent, like Serena Williams, but that takes a lot of work. It's a lot easier to show your body. And then the last one is be a victim. 
become part of a victim class, be representative of a victim class. And it is amazing to see how many people now present themselves as aggrieved. And I, I don't, when I was growing up, it was considered a sign of weakness to take the position of a victim or to say that somehow you couldn't handle your circumstances or that um, somebody, and, 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 and it went too far. I mean, where you would endure injustice because you didn't want to be thought to be a victim. But today, there are many people now from all sides of society who want to play the victim. And uh, they think that there's moral authority there. And that's one way to get the attention that Chris Rock's referring to. This uh, woke movement is all about that, isn't it? I think that's absolutely right. You know, I think you, you, we get moral stature now in being able to claim a victim identity and, and, that one of the, and, and publicize it. And one of the more disturbing parts about that, I think, is that you know, in order to perpetually be a victim, you have to perpetually find people to accuse. You know, it really makes us take on the nature of an accuser. Mm. And that creates a really um, ferocious society when people are constantly looking for ways in which to be offended. But finding offense and un unmasking it is intrinsic to the ideology. But it's certainly not an avenue to peace, nor is it one to empowerment. You know, if you read any biography of anyone who transcended their circumstances, yeah. it's almost always through ass assuming responsibility and yeah. assuming and not taking the victim role, not bemoaning right. your circumstances, but trying to uh, control what you can control. I mean, uh, people, people can say, hey, I didn't put myself here. Right. But they know that they have to get themselves out of here because if they, as long as they blame somebody else, they're disempowering themselves. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, it's, it's, I think sometimes we can make a cartoon of it saying just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Right, right, yes. That's not the point either. We need to have real solidarity, and people really truly need a leg up and need help and need um, Christians to walk alongside them. And, you know, and we, everyone, you know, needs that at some point. So that's that's not the point either. It's not a rugged individualism. Right. But it is it is that responsibility matters, and it's really transformative. Um, and, you know, I particularly think that with the victim ideology that, that it's, um, it's so deeply disempowering, but it also is, um, it, 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 you know, it gives people one option. They can either be a victim or they can be an ally. And your allyship, it's not as good as being a victim, but you have to do it ferociously and constantly be interrogating yourself for the, your own inner biases. So it creates sort of this kind of almost like a cult-like experience of always feeling shame, right, and always just trying to self-accuse. Um, and, and it also is a perversion, I think, of suffering. You know, Christ, suffering is one of the most powerful parts of our lives because it's how yeah. we can really find moments of grace and unite ourselves to our Lord on the cross. And I think this movement, like it does in many ways, picks up on that and knows that suffering is powerful, but distorts it. So your suffering yeah. becomes not your way to get close to God, but your way to become a God. Yeah. Yeah. This, and again, and this is really most vividly seen in this transgender movement. Uh, again, set aside the questions of uh, legitimate cases of gender dysphoria. Um, the transgender movement is not about um, gender dysphoria. It's about uh, a philosophy of self-creation. I think that is important to keep in mind here. Uh, you shall be as gods. Again, the first of the uh, distortions given to us by the devil. You shall be as gods. Of course, human history is changed as a result of Adam and Eve's choice. Um, 
So when you then you, you find yourself faced, let me rephrase it. Go back to this question of the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s, which was rooted very much in the black church. Had, there was a lot of white liberal Protestant uh, encouragement and some Catholic encouragement, too. But the, the Martin Luther King Jr. achieved the leadership and recognition of moral authority because he urged people to be what they themselves claimed they were. People, people of liberty, people of freedom, uh, and he's saying, "Look, you got a you got a blind spot here. Um, we are your brother. Accept us as your brother. We are your kind. Treat us that way." And that's a very different approach to social reform, and it, it assumes commonality with the person that is holding you under the thumb and it's and it's a very di- it's a very very different type of quote revolution here uh and of course king had it gr- grounded in the example of jesus in gandhi and his nonviolence. but that is so radically different he, and of course he came he came under attack before his death i mean he was already fighting with the black power movement which took more of the classical left-wing interpretation of things um has the older style of civil rights leadership that we saw with the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and Martin Luther King Jr. up until at least the last few years of his life, is that gone? Is that, is that kind of social reform missing where we ground ourselves in a solidarity, uh, but we can point out, hey, brother, what you're doing here is bad. It's not what you want to do. It's going to de- you're going to be diminished by behaving this way as much as you're diminishing me. Yeah, I mean, I think it, the movement would say, yes, that should be gone. That sh- that's not the, way, the direction we're going now. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. believed in natural law and the, that's un- true. the universal brotherhood, yeah. um, the content, the character. You know, the colorblindness is utterly anathema to the woke movement. They find that's it to right. be a perpetuation of white power. But I don't think it's gone or nor should we grant that it's gone, right? Okay. Because we can't accept the terms of a revolutionary movement that's so destructive. We have to say, no, you're saying that it's not okay to be um, judge people by the content of the cover, c- color, the content of their, um, you're saying character. it's, right, character. Yeah. Um, but we, we, you know, we, we don't agree with your terms. We don't believe that we should be discriminating against people or judging who they are in a collectivized way by the color of their skin yeah. for anyone. Yeah. And that's the true and right position. So I think that we can have a lot of confidence that, you know, this is not, this new movement is not compelling to people in the way that that Martin Luther King Jr.'s movement was compelling because it's not true and because people sense it's destructive. Noel, hold it there. Got to take a break. We'll come back. Noel, mirroring my guest, Awake, Not Woke, the book. It's called A Christian Response to the Cult of Progressive Ideology. We've got a lot coming up tomorrow night at Father Gabriel Richard High School, where she'll be presenting. Support for this Ave Maria program comes in part by the not-for-profit St. Anthony Services. Shopping for insurance, mortgage products, Catholic health coverage, identity protection, or financial planning? StAnthonyServices.org can help you find a Catholic professional for all those and more. They regularly connect faithful citizens with faith-based professionals that share our Christian values. StAnthonyServices.org 
877-LIFE-US-1. Are you woke or are you awake? Renewal Ministries and Ave Maria Radio invite you to spend an evening with Noelle Maring for her presentation, Awake, Not Woke. Noelle will look at the pseudo-religious as well as the political character of the woke movement. It's Tuesday, March 7th from 7 to 9.30 p.m. at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. You can register for free in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Again, that's at AveMariaRadio.net. In the last Ave Maria Radio Poll of the Week, we wanted to know what you're doing for Lent this year. About a third of you are adding additional prayer time, rosary, or something like that. And about 20% are giving up something like candy or another treat. 10% of you are adding Mass every day, and the rest of you are doing one of those things or maybe something else. Thanks to everybody who voted in the Poll of the Week. Be sure to check out our new poll at AveMariaRadio.net. Ave Maria Radio invites you to feast on the joy of fasting this Lenten season and all year long. Fast from complaining. Feast on appreciation. Fast from negatives. Feast on affirmatives. Fast from unrelenting pleasures. Feast on unceasing prayer. Fasting is a part of true Christian life. It liberates us from this world as we grow closer to Christ. Matthew 8, 5-10 tells us of a Roman soldier who understood how authority works and the power of the spoken word. He asked Jesus to heal his servant who was paralyzed and in pain. Jesus quickly said he'd go find the servant and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. With the words of the centurion, Jesus knew the man's faith. The centurion understood the power of a word spoken by someone under authority. He knew the authority of Jesus, and Jesus just had to say the word. There is power in all of our words. That is why we must be careful with them. There is power when you tell a child he is no good, and power when you praise him and bestow blessings. So before we speak, first think about the words you give power to every day. This has been a Christ Center Communication Message. I'm Vanessa Danhagarmo, Communications Evangelist. Today's programming on 990 WDEO is brought to you in part by a gift from our day sponsor, the Lansing Guild of the Catholic Medical Association. The annual Rose Mass for Catholic Healthcare Workers will be Saturday, March 18th at Christ the King Church in Ann Arbor, followed by a dinner at Fox Hills Country Club in Plymouth. Email cmalansing at gmail.com for dinner tickets. That's cmalansing at gmail.com. Cresta in the Afternoon is underwritten by the following nonprofit organization, Real Estate for Life. Buying or selling your home or business property? Real Estate for Life can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. When Real Estate for Life receives a referral fee, they donate 75% to Ave Maria Radio and Human Life International. More information at realestateforlife.org or 877-LIFE-US-1. That's realestateforlife.org. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. With me is Noel Mearing. Awake, Not Woke, a Christian response to the cult of progressive ideology. It's our conversation today and tomorrow night at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, from 7.30 till 9. You can register at renewalministries.net. doesn't cost a thing. 
we just like you to re- register because it gives us an idea of how many people are showing up. We can prepare that way. But uh, again, no charge. Seven thirty tomorrow night. Uh, let's two things. I want to talk about pushing back? And uh, we had a call that came in off the air while we were talking. A fellow pointed out that um, yeah, this he has great moral clarity on um, what's going on here, and he see, he sees through this woke ideology. But his kids and grandkids, especially his grandkids, they're they're growing up in peer groups, which are you know, they're young. They don't have much background and experience. They know kids that they went to grammar school with have quote uh, come out as gay. Um, they don't have any. You know that, that doesn't make them their enemy. Uh, this is an old friend of mine. Um, so what am I supposed to think? And then there are those who are also um, claiming to be no no longer bound by uh, uh, traditional uh, male and female binaries. And so, the, and that this wasn't. I like this guy. He was a person. I liked him. We enjoyed the same music together. So you have you have. Younger people who have to deal with this in a way that um, you know, I don't have to deal with anymore. Um, and then we have a bigger question, which is how do we fight back in a big way? So let me start with the advice to our grandkids. Yeah, no, I actually hear that a lot. I think there's a lot of people who really are suffering, you know, because they're feeling this div- division yeah. within their own families, and yeah. it's very, it's very heart wrenching. Um, you know, one thing I would say is that is, for, we have to recognize how confusing it is for a kid to grow up with this ideology. It might seem sort of like it makes no sense and kind of absurd in certain ways, but it is incredibly compelling when you're growing up and your peers are, you know, yeah. identifying these ways and you don't want to be a person who's on the side of hatred. You know, right. they, they've claimed the mantle of love and compassion. Yeah. And so then to be on the other side is to think, well, I don't want to be on the side of hatred. Um, and I think we need to help them to see that maybe differently, reframe that, because that's not true. It's, a, it's an ir- irresponsible land grab from the woke movement. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think that there was an excellent example of a video that went viral of a young woman who has was announced to her family that she was transitioning and to please call her by a, a male name. And she read aloud on TikTok, this was shown, I came across my computer somehow, um, this letter she got from her grandmother. And it was a beautiful and perfect response where the grandmother told her, I can't wait to see you over Christmas. I love you so much. I'm praying for you every day to our blessed mother. You're a beautiful you know, young lady. I'm so proud of you. I cannot call you by this name because that's not who you are. So she gave her all of the love and affirmation and affection, but she would not go beyond, you know, she would not compromise on what's real and true. And I think that's a good yeah. model for us. Um, I think we have to create positive relationships so that, you know, we the, the child might think my grandmother or grandfather is so old fashioned or whatever, but they can't deny that that was a he was he's a good man. They can't yeah. deny she's right. a good woman. And so then that plants a seed of like, well, you know, I don't, I don't see, I know that they're not haters, right. but they right. believe in the faith. Maybe that give, that tells them where the reservation is. So if they go off the reservation, they know where to where it is and where to go back to. Yeah. The area that has been, uh, Marx was against the family, uh, Black Lives Matter against the family. Why is the family such a barrier? 
Yeah, it's a, a, to- a outer barrier, um, and, and still you hear whispers of the family abolition movement yeah. popping up. Um, yeah. It's not a, not that uncommonly. It, it is a barrier because I know I think they know how powerful family is. Families are first experience of belonging, of being named, of being known, yeah. of being you know an individual irreplaceable, and being irreplaceable is really the opposite of being in a collectivized tribal identity, right? Where you're just one yeah. of uh, you're That's just a good. totem. Yeah, um, and and also it's an introduction to fatherly love, you know, which is a window into understanding who the nature of God. You know, if we have a loving family, well-ordered family, then it's not, it's easier for us to imagine that there's, and understand and believe that there's a God who is loving us, not oppressing us. And the movement really wants us to see God as our fundamental oppressor. Um, it's also transmission of values from one generation to the next. I mean, the fa- family is just incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, once you take, you dismantle the family, people want belonging. They want what the family has to offer that they were deprived of. So they're going to find it more ferociously in a tribal identity. Like, yeah. a, even if it's a politicized identity, it feels like a sense of belonging, right? Yeah. And so that yeah. makes our politics very ferocious. Yeah, it it, it can get very ugly here. Um and it's it's difficult enough for people who have had uh, relatively good families. Uh, they have to deal with this. But if you've had a terrible upbringing, you know, where the quote power relationships in your family were not not uh, an expression of quote love, uh, but clearly uh, an expression of um, inability inability to maintain one's emotions, uh, lack of dignity. Um, it's easy to it's easy to think that the family is something that needs to be discarded. I and think that yeah. yeah. I think that's right. I think that the wounds serve the purpose of revolution. That's right. Because people are more willing to understand think that they are defined by hatred in society if they know the wounds of sort of feeling hated or discarded yeah. or ignored or you know um, personally they they know what that feels like and so it's it becomes a shorter step to say well this defines everything these wounds define everything everything is power contests abuse exploitation that's what the fundamental reality of the world is yeah yeah and so this agenda that um, black lives matter have and other aspects of this movement the the cultural marxist movement the abolition of the family then uh, it, it promises that if I get rid of this oppressive institution, that I'm going to have something far better on the other side. Why do they think they're going to have something far better on the other side? Where have they seen this work? Well, you know, that's the interesting thing. Is I think it's far less a vision of something positive than it is a hatred of something. Uh, of yeah. Something that what is. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, you know, that's the nature of evil. Is that it can't really create things. It doesn't build things. It just can only be a parasite on what actually has being. Um, and and so you know, and that gives us a lot of power, right? Because we have an actual positive vision. Yeah. You know, yeah. we have we can we we have the great art, the great literature, the you know, civil what, what a culture can be animated by who we know God to be. We have the be- beauty, goodness, truth. You know, these are incredible, incredibly powerful um, transcendentals. Um, and, they, and they don't have that. They can only say these things are bad. They can only attack. They can't really build. Even the utopia is sort of a vague abstraction. Yeah. No one really understands quite what that looks like. And it, it all usually looks like a lot of corpses stacked up. <laughs> <laughs> That's historically what we see. Uh, that is true. Um, I, I think that, I mean, that's an important point that there is not a positive vision of where we're going. It's primarily a negative vision where we are. But I mean, for me, I, I think temperamentally I'm something of a conservative anyways, because if I come across a wall, 
uh, I don't knock it down until I know who put it up and why it's there. I see a house, I say to myself, it looks like it needs repair, but I don't think I want to knock it down until I find out what it's there for, right? Yeah. And, and uh, people in a revolutionary mind assume that it's there as something that has to be struck down. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an impediment to our revolution. And that revolution usually has promises of some kind of better condition on earth, and uh, Pope Benedict, uh, well, Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, and they actually the Catechism of the Catholic Church warns against those kind of movements in history that promise some kind of millennial reign, some sort of, we after the revolution, we're going to get it all. It's great. It's going to be, those promises are not for Catholics. Right. No, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's pro- the promises you will be empowered. But of course, all the way that they deliver that power is actually enslaving. You know, whether it be the fetishization of transgression that I think is inherent in expressive individualism or, you know, slavery to an ideological um, identity. You know, these these are not freeing uh, yeah. ways of walking through the world. You know, I, there are places where actually people have done some research into some of the leaders of these movements and it's amazing if you take a look at their personal life you know how did it work how how did their personal lives work out did, did they have i mean somebody like walter benjamin was got involved in rather demonic activity uh wilhelm reich was he practiced bestiality for a while i mean I'm not saying everybody here, certainly not saying your neighbor who's in part of the woke movement is doing this, but the leadership, if you look at the leadership, you ask, okay, you've lived out this experiment, how's your life? That's absolutely right. It, it is remarkable how much you see that there was a lot of, you know, well, William Reich, I think he experienced his parents had, you know, there's abuse and adult, yes. rampant adultery and suicide. That's right. And he became sexual at a very young age yep. and then was obsessed with it, right? Yep. Um, Karl Marx, I talk in my book a little bit, too, about just the sordidness of his life. I mean, even from the point of personal hygiene to a total disregard for his children and his wife and, you know, um, his family. Um, uh, Carrie Gress, my co author for Theology of Home actually dives a lot into the lives of feminists and how sordid oftentimes yeah. and how many often they had hate, real hatred with their mother that the, the mother-daughter relationship oh. was very distorted um, she talks about that in her anti-Mary book and an upcoming book she's writing um, called The Abolition of Women um, but yeah, you see it time and again that these, and it makes sense, right? You're going to think the world is distorted and your ideas are going to become very distorted if you have that level of personal experience with abuse and, you know, self-harm and, you know, all, all of those things. Actually, that's one, that's one of the only positive, uh, that's, that's not, let me rephrase that. That's a positive development. Um, there's a, there's been a, over the last generation, a new candor about the inner life of people. <laughs> and we, we can comb their journals and their diaries now and speak uh, candidly about their experience. Uh, tended not to do that two generations ago. That's but right. now we know uh, every affair they had, because they, yeah. they wrote it down, and we know. And we, so we have an idea of how, how did they, how was their marriage? Uh, what why did they develop some of the ideas they had? I mean, there's one fellow who believed that you could take a look at some of these leaders of our um, adversarial culture, uh, and he concluded that um, 
modernity was very little more than rationalized sexual misbehaviors <laughs> is the argument that he would make. Uh, that may be overstating it, but there's a lot of there's a lot of mess in the le- leadership of these people. Yeah, that's right. And it and it tends to perpetuate itself to the point where it gets worse and worse. I mean, I think we're seeing that even on a broad scale with the culture now. I mean, I just wrote an article about the Grammys and an artist who portrayed himself as Satan and the devil. Oh, I saw that. Him. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it it seems like, you know, you know, we went from, you know, Elvis Presley being a little bit daring and then, you know, the evolution to now all of a sudden we're just doing Satan worship on the stage and people are applauding in a mainstream or I mean, on a primetime television show. Um, but that's the insatiable nature of sin. What's transgressive yeah. today is boring tomorrow. So you have to push the envelope. We more. didn't talk a lot about transgression. Uh, uh, the role of transgression in this uh, left wing media. Transgression is, is something which is revered. That's right. It's an avenue of liberation. So whereas the, whether you're collectivized identity, you're free, you find liberation by toppling groups outside of yourself. Um, you also are become free by by enacting transgressive behavior because you're toppling the moral law, yeah. your own internalized absorbing of repressive moral law upon yourself. So it really finds freedom in the ability to identify and express and live out transgressive sexual behaviors. Yeah. yeah. Noel, thanks so much. Thanks yeah. for having me. We'll look forward to tomorrow night, 7 to 9.30, 7.30 to 9, excuse me, 7.30 to 9 at Father Gabriel Richard High School, Noel Maring, speaking on the same topic here, and <clears throat> going to do it at great length. She'll be with us an hour and a half. So register at renewalministries.net. It's all free, so show up. Ave Maria School of Law is the Roman Catholic law school in the United States. Consistently ranked in the Princeton Review as one of the best and most conservative law schools, as well as pre-law's most devout law school. Ave Maria School of Law provides a traditional legal education while emphasizing how the law intersects with the Catholic intellectual tradition and natural law philosophy. Ave Maria School of Law, unabashedly Catholic, consistently excellent. For more information, visit AveMariaLaw.edu. This program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. My Life Angels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed, including all legal documents, to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. My Life Angels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at MyLifeAngels.com. Are you woke or are you awake? Renewal Ministries and Ave Maria Radio invite you to spend an evening with Noelle Maring for her presentation, Awake, Not Woke. Noelle will look at the pseudo-religious as well as the political character of the woke movement. It's Tuesday, March 7th from 7 to 9.30 p.m. at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. You can register for free in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Again, that's at AveMariaRadio.net. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com.
Well, thanks so much. It's been good being with you today. And let me remind you that you can follow up on our conversations by going to AveMariaRadio.net. Go to the Crested Guest Archives for follow-up uh, articles and uh, recommendations there. Contact Sometimes contact information for our guests is, uh, would be there as well. AveMariaRadio.net. Go to the Crested Guest Archives there. And also books that we mentioned on this program, they're all available at AveMariaRadio.net in the um, online bookstore. So we'll get those out to you right away. So it uh, helps. Uh, again, it's one more way you can continue to support the work that we're doing here at Ave Maria Radio. Uh, one last time, uh, remember, tomorrow night, uh, Noel Mearing will be with us at Father Gabriel Richard High School. Uh, urge your friends to come on out. This is a topic that uh, has all kinds of twists and turns to it. So she'll be with us for an hour and a half making a presentation. No charge. See you then. Cresta in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. To follow up on any of the guests or information presented on today's program, visit the Cresta Guest Archive at AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-M-A-R-I-A Radio.net. To listen to this or any other edition of Cresta in the Afternoon, visit the audio archives at AveMariaRadio.net. Or to order a CD of the program, call 734-930-4506 or email orders at AveMariaRadio.net. That's 734-930-4506 or orders at AveMariaRadio.net.